This edition of the Bio Report is brought to you by the California Technology Council, providing discounts on products and services essential to every startup. For more information, visit californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Rural counties in the United States have seen a steady loss of hospital-based obstetric services. A new study published in JAMA that looked at nearly 5 million births in almost 1,100 rural U.S. counties found a connection between the loss of these services and eroding outcomes for newborns and their mothers. We spoke to Carrie Henning-Smith, Deputy Director of the University of Minnesota's Rural Health Research Center and co-author of the JAMA study, about the findings, their implications, and what can be done to address eroding health care for women giving birth in rural America. Carrie, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. We're going to talk about a recent study in JAMA you co-authored about childbirth, the loss of hospital-based obstetric services in rural areas, and what the consequence of this has been. First, perhaps you can begin with describing what types of services we're talking about. Sure. So we were looking at the loss of obstetric services in hospitals, specifically obstetric units where a person can deliver a baby. And we know that there has been a decline in the number of hospitals in rural areas that have such obstetric units for many, many years. Um, and so we were looking to see what the outcomes of those losses were. And, and is this just labor and delivery, or does this also include prenatal care? We were just looking at labor and delivery. Some of those hospitals that have closed their obstetric units still do provide prenatal care. Um, and so we're really just looking to see, are the hospitals where you can no longer deliver a baby, is that associated with differences in outcomes later on? How important are these services within the continuum of healthcare from a, a health and wellness point of view? I would say that they're fundamental. This is where um, life begins when we deliver a baby. And so I, I think we, when you think of the full spectrum of healthcare, it needs to start with reproductive health and specifically with being able to deliver a baby safely and um in an environment that you can actually access. There's been this long-term decline in hospital-based obstetric services. How have they decreased in rural U.S. counties, and, and how significant has that been, and over what period of time? Sure. Um, it, the decline is quite 
significant and has been going on for multiple decades. But the work that we've done at the University of Minnesota Rural Health Research Center has really focused in on the past decade or so. We have data starting in 2004 and going through 2014. During that period of time, there was a 9% decline in the number of rural counties that had hospital-based obstetric services. And that brought the number of rural counties with no hospital where you could deliver a baby up to 54% by 2014. Um, And between that period, between 2004 and 2014, 179 rural counties lost hospital-based obstetric services. So this is not a trivial or a small number. We also know our... most recent data stop in 2014, but we know anecdotally that these declines have continued and that counties are continuing to lose services. How do these services fit into what hospitals do? What's driven that loss of service and and is it an economic issue? Sure. It's really complex and it's one of those things where it would be nice if there were one magic bullet or one villain involved where we could say this is the problem and we can fix this to stop the decline in services. But it's really much more complicated than that. It's partly economic. Delivering babies is not always a financially good idea for hospitals necessarily. The reimbursement rate for labor and delivery doesn't always cover the full cost that it provides or that it costs a hospital to provide those services. And that's particularly true under Medicaid reimbursement. And Medicaid pays for just about half of all births across the country, and it pays for more more births in rural areas than it does in urban areas. And so low Medicaid reimbursement rates are one reason that it's not um, economically viable in all situations for rural hospitals to continue to deliver babies. But there are other things that go into this. Rural areas have workforce shortages across the board, and obstetric services are not immune from that. And so there's we have heard from hospital administrators and directors of nursing about difficulties staffing labor and delivery units from um, nurses to midwives, to family physicians and obstetricians, it's sometimes difficult to recruit staff. And then when you do have staff, it's difficult in low-volume settings where rural hospitals may only be delivering um, 20, 100, 200 babies a year for staff to maintain their skills and their comfort level and their competency. And so rural hospitals have to think really creatively about what sorts of training and skills staff have um, in order to maintain their competency and in order to just retain the staff and keep the staff comfortable. So there are staffing issues. Um, and then also, as I mentioned, there are volume issues involved. There are some rural areas that are really quite remote, uh, have very low populations and low birth rates. And so, again, if you're only delivering a few dozen babies a year, just maintaining those skills is really challenging. Um, And then there are some other issues that play into it, things like health systems consolidation that we've seen across the board where a health system might um, obtain a rural hospital and decide they want to consolidate where they're providing obstetric services. 
Um, that's part of it. Part of it may be there may be patient choice involved where patients may decide that they don't want to go to their nearest rural hospital. They're going to go a little bit farther. And all of these trends put together have made it increasingly difficult for hospitals to stay in the labor and delivery business. For the purpose of the study, what data did you examine? Where did it come from? And how large a population did it include? Sure. Um, so we looked at all rural counties in the United States um, for our initial study of trying to understand where there has been loss. And the data came from the American Hospital Association annual survey data that sh the hospitals need to submit in order to show what services they're providing. But then for the paper that we're talking about now that came out in JAMA, we looked at the 1,079 rural counties that had obstetric services in 2004. That's approximately half of all rural counties. Um, and we looked at differences among those 1,079 rural counties in outcomes for the counties that had maintained services and the counties that had lost services. So again, we were using the American Hospital Association survey data, but we were also using birth certificate data to see where the birth happened, whether the baby was born at full term, um, and all of those other details, some maternal and some child or infant characteristics. What does the population of women affected by these changes look like from a demographic point of view? Um, sure. It's a good question. It's, as in urban areas, we're looking at um, women or pregnant people of reproductive age. And so most of them tend to be in their um, late teens through early 40s, the majority in their 20s and um, 30s. Rural areas are, by and large, um, tend to be a little bit wider than urban areas, although that's changing. They're increasingly racially and ethnically diverse, and we see some of that diversity in our study and in the data. Um, and then rural areas also tend to have lower median incomes than metropolitan or urban areas. So these are folks who um, may be struggling a little bit more to get by from day to day, financially speaking. You were seeking to examine the relationship between the loss of hospital-based obstructive services in rural areas and childbirth and, and birth outcomes in rural counties. What did you find? Sure. Um, what we found is that after rural counties lost obstetric services in their hospitals, residents of those counties had higher rates of preterm birth, that is a baby being born before 37 weeks gestation, higher rates of out-of-hospital birth, and so that may be a planned home birth, it may be an unplanned home birth, it may also be a baby being born on the side of the road or somewhere else. Um, where we wouldn't necessarily expect a baby to be born. And we saw higher rates of babies being born in hospitals without obstetric units, and that it could be that those babies are being born in emergency departments, in hospitals, or in hospitals that are otherwise not equipped to deliver babies. And we found that those... Um, those results, those changes in where babies were being born and then the rate of preterm birth were especially striking and especially um, 
had larger and longer lasting impacts in rural counties that are not adjacent to urban counties. And that is rural counties that are more remote saw stronger effects from obstetric unit closures. And were there measures of health that could be uh, looked at with these births? Um, well, we looked also at um, changes in infant APGAR scores. That's the score of how babies look right after they're born. Um, but the, I think what's more important is that the changes in preterm birth, we know that preterm birth is associated with longer-term health challenges, um, can have all sorts of negative implications down the road for babies as they grow up into children and adults. And obviously, there are exceptions to that, but it's something that we need to be really concerned about on a population level. If we're seeing an increase in preterm birth for any reason, um, we should be alarmed and trying to do something about it. How about the health and safety of the mothers? Was there any concern there? Yeah, I think there's a lot of concern. The data that we have limited us to looking at the outcomes for the babies and seeing where the babies were born. But I think that the question about the mothers is so enormously important. We know that there are increases in maternal morbidity and maternal mortality. And often when we're talking about obstetric care and labor and delivery, we, we lose sight of the mom in that, although the mom is obviously a, a very important part of it. Um, unfortunately, the data that we have don't allow us to connect the infant with the mother, and so we can't see for those babies who were born out of hospital or born preterm, we can't see the associated changes for the mother, but it's something that we are continuing to think about and um, will likely be doing more research in that area in the coming years. I think people often think of the advanced medical technology in the United States and the, the wealth of the nation and assume Everyone here has access to the best type of care. How does the quality of care for women who are pregnant and delivering compare to what's seen in, in other parts of the world? Yeah, that's a great question. And we admittedly are not doing any global comparisons in the work here. But we know just um, from other research that's done that the outcomes in the United States for um, maternal health and infant health are not as good as we might expect them to be. They're not as good as they should be. Um, the U.S. is lagging when it comes to markers like infant mortality and maternal mortality. And so the findings here for women in rural counties showing that there's diminishing access to care, that they are delivering in hospitals that don't have obstetric units, that there's increase in preterm birth, all of this should be alarming and upsetting. Um, to anyone concerned about population health. And I do think you're right that there's a, a often an assumption that in the United States we should have the best health care, um, and we do in many situations have the best health care, but it's certainly not accessible and available to everyone. And that's, we're showing that time and again in the rural counties that we're looking at. I, I know earlier you, you mentioned the complexities of the underlying cause of the problems, but is this a matter of realigning incentives, of finding ways to break down geographic barriers? 
Yeah. Um, so I think the logical next step is to think about what do we do with these findings. And I think one of the things is to think about the financial incentives, both for hospitals to provide obstetric services and for um, clinicians to work in rural areas. What are the financial incentives and how can we realign them to make this attractive or even viable for hospitals and clinicians? to stay in the obstetric business. Um, but there are other, again, as the causes of this are more complex, so are the solutions. I think we also need to think about training and coordination for emergency births, knowing that we're not going to be able to bring back all obstetric services to all of the areas where they've been lost, and knowing from our research that there's an increase in women and pregnant people giving birth in hospitals that don't have obstetric units or giving birth out of the hospital. We need to prepare local emergency departments, law enforcement, EMS, um, clinicians in hospitals without obstetric services. We need to prepare them for the possibility that they may be dealing with labor and delivery and make sure that they are as prepared and equipped as they can possibly be. I think we also need to think about those very low-volume settings we've found in our work on obstetric unit loss, that the counties that are most likely to lose services are those with the lowest birth rates um, and hospitals with the lowest birth volume. And so we need to think, what is it that would make it possible for those hospitals to maintain an obstetric unit line? And one possibility may be an adjustment to payment for low-volume settings. Um, to take into account that it's not as cost-effective for them to be delivering babies when they're not doing it very often. I think we also need to be thinking about trainings and simulation for rural staff who are continuing to deliver babies. If they're in low-volume settings, as I said, they may not have practice on a daily basis delivering babies. And so how do we connect them uh, with the most recent, most up-to-date training, education information that might be done through telemedicine consultations, that might be done through simulations and remote training opportunities. And then I think we also need to think about the women and the families who are impacted in those areas that have lost obstetric services. So if you live in a in a county that doesn't have a hospital that where you can deliver a baby, you're in a situation of needing to travel sometimes quite far to reach the next locus, next nearest hospital where you can deliver a baby. And again, many of these women and families have lower than average median incomes. They um, might be struggling financially. They might be working an hourly job. They may have other children. And so finding childcare for their children, being able to take time off of work, being able to drive the distance, especially if they don't have reliable transportation, all of that becomes really difficult. It's easy to see where not every family is able to make it to the nearest hospital with obstetric services. So I think we need to think, are there ways that we can subsidize or provide transportation for people who need to travel the farthest? Is there a way to provide or subsidize housing in the nearest city that does have obstetric services so that people don't need to travel hundreds of miles while they're in labor, but instead they can wait near the hospital in a safe, secure housing situation? So I think we need to think creatively beyond just financial incentives for hospitals, what are some of the other 
areas where we can help clinicians, hospital administrators, and the families that are impacted. Carrie Henning-Smith, Deputy Director of the University of Minnesota Rural Health Research Center and co-author of the JAMA study on eroding access and quality of childbirth care in rural U.S. counties. Carrie, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.